Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is MC Money joined by Sutton, the soccer dad in a house, the creeper. And we are here this week as we get ready for week one of the NFL season. And yes, I say week one because it is, in fact, the Miami Dolphins' first week. And they had a bye this past week, as we all noticed this past Sunday while we were sitting on our sofas or couches or floors, or in my case, changing diapers and, and holding a bear in the other hand. As we watch the NFL open up their season without any Miami Dolphins football, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody down in Florida with the hurricane and everyone impacted by the hurricane across the nation, and of course, the flood in Houston as well. We know that for them, for those affected and impacted by that hurricane, football was either an escape for them or football was just something they weren't concerned about this past Sunday. So we're hoping, you know, they had the chance to clean up a bit and get on and get things back to as normal as possible. If they could, hopefully it didn't impact anyone uh, that listens to our show too much. And of course the other people as well across, you know, we hope that they recover and our prayers are with them. So the Dolphins had their first practice of the week today and out in California, they flew there on a private charter on Friday. Stephen Ross, I mean, Saturday, I'm sorry. Stephen Ross flew all the staff and their families out to California to get away from the hurricane. Great move by him. Awesome, awesome endeavor. And Adam Gase got to California Saturday morning and started preparing for the Los Angeles Chargers. And the players met up with the team who are scattered across the nation on Tuesday. They have their team meeting for this week. And today, they began practices on a field that is similar to a high school field, but a field nonetheless, right adjacent to tennis courts, uh, a very college-like, high school-like campus. But but they're getting the job done, and Adam Gase is ready to go, and he's not making any excuses for this team. If we come out on Sunday, and I say we as in Miami Dolphins because we just sit on our sofas and drink beer and eat buffalo wings. If we come out on Sunday, right, Houghton Sutton, and we either there's two things we're either going to look like complete garbage and the excuse will be built in or we'll look good as hell or good AF and people will also use, people will also use the excuse. Well, not the excuse, but the reasoning that the dolphins are fresh. So I want to hear from you two. Um, and I'll give my take on it after I hear from you two and you two, meaning not you two, the singer, but you two, like you as an individual people, and then you two speaking alone, if you know what I mean. And how it's for you, does this help the Dolphins <laughs> or does this hurt the Dolphins? I, I think it helps the Dolphins. I think it gives them an extra week to prepare. I, I know they've gone through a lot down there, so, I mean, I'm sure that's weighing heavily on all the players. But for me, I think that added week, I think Adam Gase, 
the team, they're prepared. They were probably prepared last week, but now they're coming out here. They got some tape on the Chargers. They see what they're they see what they're all about. I mean, that pass rush is incredible. Uh, Philip Rivers, same Philip Rivers he's always been. But I, I think Miami. I think it kind of helps them. I think it gives them an extra week to prepare. Uh, the pessimist in me, I, I feel like, it, as much as I'd love to see the Dolphins come out and just flat out spank the Chargers, I'm not sure that we're going to see that. I think. It's going to be more of a close game, and, I mean, I know the odds they keep going against the Miami Dolphins' favor, but for me, I, I think I think it will help the Dolphins. It'll give them the next week to prepare, and in the end, hopefully it gives them a win in, uh, a win in that column. Yeah, I remember asking Randy this very question last week, Randy McMichael, for anybody that missed the show last week, but, you know, I was kind of asked, which which way are the scales going to tip? You know, does it tip towards the Dolphins because we have more tape on the Chargers now that they've played a game and we haven't? Or does it favor more the Chargers in the sense that they're more in game conditioning? You know, it takes a little bit of time for offenses to come here and uh, make big plays. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the Dolphins will measure up with the Chargers in terms of just being in that game flow. And any any player that's played the game knows you just get in that flow and you're just there. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see how the Dolphins measure up with the Chargers on that front. But it might be a hidden benefit going on the road this week just with all the devastation that happened in South Florida. And, uh, again, I'll echo your sentiments, MC Money, in your opening line about just – Thoughts and prayers with everybody affected by this. But as we get on the football, you know, being able to get away with that, with their families, be there earlier, that's that's a question I want to ask Randy right now is, does going out west with their family early like this, something that never happens, how does how is that going to affect the team going into the game? Or is it going to make everyone more focused and more – more centered, so to speak, or is it going to be so unusual that it's going to throw players off? I would be interested to have Randy's perspective on that. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I'm going to refer to the experts here. And by experts, I don't mean Helser Sutton, because you guys are gurus on Jay Cutler. We're going to talk about Jay Cutler in a little <laughs> bit. But I'm going to go with the experts, like Ndamukong and Sue, who said today this. And I apologize. I know last week we had clips of the press conferences throughout the week with the um, with them being out west, they didn't hold their press conference till about I think it was like four or five o'clock today Eastern time. There just wasn't enough time to turn things around for us to get these clips. So I'm going to read off what Nadamik and Sue said today, and, and he was asked, uh, "Does it when, does having a bye week in week one is it a negative or are there advantages that you can take to it?" And here's what Sue said. He said, we get to watch a lot of football. We got to see our opponents this upcoming week playing a real game. So we had a week of experience of seeing what they like to do. But there's a handful of things that you can look at it from positively and negatively. At the end of the day, we've got to go out there and practice, understand what we got to do against them, and anticipate what they want to do against us. Now, Anthony Lynn, head coach of the San Diego Chargers, was also quoted as saying that this is an advantage for the Miami Dolphins. And this happened in the conference call he had with the Miami Dolphins reporters. And here's what Lynn said. He said, you would like to see them play the first week, see what they're doing. Preseason, you don't show a lot. I was in that division with the Jets and the Bills, with that team, and I understand the personnel. We played them last year. We have a pretty good idea of what we're looking at. We don't exactly know what we're going to see. It's the flow of the game. So basically what Anthony Lynn is saying, and this happens around the entire NFL, week one, you have an idea of what teams might do and what what teams might want to do throughout the game, especially if you have a coaching staff and a lot of players that are returning, like a team like the Patriots or the Chiefs, for example, where everyone stays in place. But the reality is that no one knows for sure how a team's identity is going to change from one year to the next, if it's going to change at all. So you assume with Adam Gase here and Jay Ajayi and and a new defensive uh, coordinator, and then you throw in Jay Cutler to the mix, you throw in Devontae Parker rising up, and you throw in a bunch of different defensive players on the Miami Dolphins defense, you really don't know what you're going to get from them week one. 
And I don't think any of us know. We don't know what we're going to get from Jay Cutler, what we're going to get from Julius Thomas, what we're going to get from the wide receiver crew. We probably have a good idea of what we're going to get from Jay Ajayi if the offensive line can block for him. But the advantage the Dolphins have is that nobody has tape on them right now. So as we move into the first two weeks of the season, because eventually this will catch up as the bye weeks start happening, but as you move through weeks one, two, and three, and four, really, and then we have to look at the schedule and see where the bye weeks come into play. But when they play the Chargers, the Chargers don't have any film on the Dolphins. They only have last year's stuff. The Dolphins have one week of film on the Chargers. And their uh, identity, if you watch the Monday Night Football game, is run, 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 pass. Run, 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 pass. Run, 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 pass. Run, 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 pass. And that's basically it. If you can also throw in a few interceptions from Phillip Rivers, a few punts, a few field goals, and then a block field at the end of the game. But the thing is this with the Chargers. They can attack and they can strike at any minute. We saw that against the Broncos. They have the ability to go deep. They have the ability to run shallow routes and then turn it up the Jets. Melvin Gordon's a great running back. The thing the Dolphins do well, though, is they bottle up the Chargers really well over the past few years. Whether it's Joe Philbin as coach, Kevin Coyle as the interim head coach, when Joel Philbin's, uh, I believe it was his dad or mom passed away, or Adam Gase last year. They seem to bottle up Phillip Rivers pretty well. But remember last year, it came down to the last drive of the game where Phillip Rivers was trying to uh, drive down for the tie or the win. So we have a week of film on the Chargers. The Chargers have nothing on the Dolphins. Next week, when the Dolphins play the Jets, the Dolphins will have two weeks of film on the Jets. The Jets will have one week of film on the Dolphins. When they then go to London to play the Saints, the Saints will have three weeks of, or the Dolphins will have three weeks of film on the Saints. The Saints will have two weeks of film on the Dolphins. Now, after about three or four games, you start building an identity, and that identity becomes clear. So the Dolphins really will have an advantage over the first weeks of the season in terms of what they can hide on film and what teams don't know what they're doing. So for me, at least early in the season, this is an advantage. There are no guarantees as the season moves forward. And I don't know if you two gentlemen wanted to add anything to that. Well, that's a lot to chew on there, MC Money. It's, uh, you know, good thing we're getting into our shows here. But I'll just go back to a couple of plays that happened last year against the Los Angeles Chargers, just to throw out Los Angeles, just so you guys get used to not saying San Diego, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. So you have the the Kiko Alonso interception last year, and then you have that Ryan Tannehill dime to Kenny Stills, and I know you know the throw that I'm talking about. It's about a 50-yarder, uh-huh. just uh, gets drilled as he hit as he throws it and drops it right on the money. And I can only imagine as a competitor, if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, and remembering how that game played out last year, they're they're going to be motivated to play us. This is not going to be a flat game for them. And for us coming into them, into their stadium, we're going to, we're going to see what happens, but they're, they're going to be ready to play. I don't want anybody to think that this is going to be a lull game for the Chargers. You're absolutely right. How else do you have anything to add to that? Anything that you want to change your mind on? Anything that you want to, you know, contribute? I I don't do much contributing. All I can say is that uh, (laughs) having all that game, you mentioned having all that game film on the Jets uh, heading into next week's game. And, I mean, the Jets are trash, so we don't really need much game film for them. <laughs> I, I think in the end this game will be we won't be won and lost in the trenches, and I think it's going to be a huge game for both Melvin, Gore, um, Melvin Gordon and NJGI. So, I do think you're right. I think both of you touched on it. Uh, this extra week, it gives them that extra week to prepare, and hopefully the Dolphins come out uh, motivated to play. Now, with the extra week of play, you would think the offense would come out, you know, healthy and firing on all cylinders. But the reality of the matter is, and this is according to Jay Cutler, the offense might be a little rusty when they play a kickoff at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1.05 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time on Sunday, September 17th. Is it the 17th? It is the 17th. Yes. Jay Cutler said this today in his press conference. We were a little rusty today since we haven't practiced. We got a little bit going yesterday, but I'm sure that as the week goes on, we'll get back into it. And for Jay himself, he said this in terms of being ready and in terms of this being a strange experience for him. It's not even close, he said. I mean, to come into camp halfway through training camp and then have to evacuate and come here and miss having the first game canceled, it's been a wild ride. But Cutler did say this. Being out in California, it's like training camp essentially. 
That's kind of what our mindset is. Everyone is together. We meet together. We eat together. There's nowhere for anyone to really go. So it's a good experience for us. But, and there's always a but, he was very direct and candid when he said this. We might not be cranked up week one. I mean, we don't know how it's going to go. We're going to practice as hard as we can. We're going to prepare as much as we can. But like any game, like any NFL season, there's going to be some ups and downs out there. And these guys, it's a resilient group. So we'll just battle through them. Jay Cutler is an experienced quarterback. He's been around the game for many years, much longer than Ryan Tannehill, much longer than a lot of the starting quarterbacks these days now. Jay Cutler has picked up stats and has built his repertoire and has built a reputation in terms of what he's been doing around the NFL. And my man Sutton is the guru of Jay Cutler. And he knows <laughs> all the stats about Jay Cutler. And my boy Sutton was able to get his hands on some grades and rankings from PFF today, Pro Football Focus. And Sutton, just run through for us some of the better qualities that Jay Cutler has and how he might help that and help the offense crank it up a bit in week one. Well, I bet you guys didn't know what kind of cigarettes he smokes. They're actually Newports. I found that out from a source that I'm making up as I go along. But I uh, want to give a shout-out to Ryan Smith. He's our, he's our guy over at PFF, and he hooked me up with some play-action stats. I'm particularly interested in those stats because I'm not naive, and I think this offense really is going to hinge on Jay Ajayi. Howitz mentioned it earlier going to be the focal point, and we saw what this offense could do last season with JHI as a focal point. It was a pretty beautiful thing, and one of the wrinkles that I wanted to see this team start involving more is the play-action game, and in 2015, that was the year that Gase worked with Cutler in Chicago. I was particularly interested in the stats those years. What I found was pretty interesting, and again, thank you to Ryan over at PFF. He he threw us some stats in, in the play-action game. Jay Cutler was 71.6% completion percentage with four touchdowns, one interception, 103-plus uh, quarterback rating there with his play-action passing attempts. You're looking at 10 yards, a completion, about eight and a half uh, per attempt there, so that's pretty good numbers. But that completion percentage was fourth in the NFL. And I can – I don't even remember who the Chicago running back committee was in 2015, but I doubt they're as good as Jay Ajayi. So when you have that kind of threat as a running back and to be able to have the wide receiver core that we have. uh, Now I will mention that Verrett and Casey Hayward from the Los Angeles chargers, they are no joke at quarterback cornerback. So our wide receivers are going to have some problems on the boundary. And I think, This is going to be a game where you're going to see a lot of Jarvis Landry and a lot of Julius Thomas over in the middle and perhaps even some running backs coming out there and catching uh, some passes matched up one-on-one with some linebackers. Um, But I I think that we have a serious ability if we can establish that run. Matt, you mentioned this earlier with how is this offensive line going to assert itself. But if we can establish that run game and get the play-action passing game going, I'm very confident with Gase and Cutler and their understanding with each other that there's some big play opportunities there. So when we talk to Ryan Smith today from Pro Football Focus, and we do thank Ryan and Pro Football Focus and the PFF Miami account for passing over these stats to us, Jay Cutler, you mentioned you know the play-action, all that going on. And here's just a little for you. In 2016, Jay Cutler went 23 for 36, which is 63.9%, 330 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, quarterback rating of 77.3. 26.1% of his throws were in play action. However, that was a short year for him. The important thing is this, with Adam Gates in 2015, 18.4% of his throws were play action, not a ton. 
63 for 88, 71.6%, 657 yards, four TDs, one interception. NFL quarterback rating of 103.3. His rating without play action that year was 89.9. Again, that is a staggering difference. Let me repeat that for you. With Adam Gase in 2015, play action, he went 63 for 88, 657 yards, four TDs, one interception. NFL quarterback rating of 103.3. His rating, again, without play action that year, was 89.9. Houts. We see quarterbacks all the time. We see the quarterback rating all the time. We see the QBR all the time now from ESPN. When you see a stat like that, especially with Gaze in 2015, what does that tell you and what are you going to be looking for on Sunday with Jay Cutler? Yeah, that difference there is is huge. And I think that a lot of that can attest to how good Adam Gase is with his play calling and what he did for Jay Cutler in Chicago. Uh, Like Sutton said, he's not really sure who the running backs by committee were that year, but it wasn't Jay Ajayi. And I think that's going to be where the Dolphins ultimately their entire season hinders on his success, which like you both have touched on opens up that play action pass. And um, the Los Angeles Chargers have one hell of a secondary. Their pass rush is no joke, but I think it's that middle of the field like Sutton talked about where the Dolphins can really pick and choose what they're going to do there. You got Julius Thomas, you got Jarvis Landry. You hope to see some Devontae Park on the outside in one-on-one coverage. Uh, but, but yeah, the play action, that's going to be a huge part of the game. It's, it's a way to keep the defense off balance. And when you got a guy like Jay Ajayi, that ultimately I think the Dolphins, they're going to they're gonna run that offense through him. So if he can have success on the ground, it'll open up that play action pass, and, and that's where Miami's going to do their damage against this Chargers defense. Sutton, Jay Ajayi is a downhill runner the, you, know, you know the Dolphins are going to force the run game a ton will this help the Dolphins open up their offense if they do in fact go to play action quite often yeah I mean play action is one of those things you can't over abuse it then it's not you know it doesn't become a novelty you need it to remain a novelty so you can't run it too much but if you can and there's a little bit of a difference between what NFL coaches believe and what the stat geeks believe. You know, NFL coaches believe that you have to establish a run game to be able to run play action effectively. And the stat geeks say, eh, it doesn't really matter. It's just the threat of actually just making a run because that's the only type of play in football where you get the defense to freeze for even half a second, probably not even that. But that moment, you know, with those windows, those, you know, it's a game of inches. The windows are so tight, you know, having that little bit of a hidden advantage there, run and play action, can do so many things. And Jarvis Landry, Rome in the middle, and we know what type of playmaker he is. So if we can establish the play action passing game and be able to open up the middle, it's going to be monumental for this offense and this week two matchup, but it really depends on the run blocking. We've seen what Jay Ajayi can do even without run blocking. Can we get that offensive line? Will they have enough cohesion going into this game? That's remained to be seen. So we saw the Chargers play on Monday night against the Broncos and House. I know you watched this game as well. What did you take away from the Chargers' defense in terms of them stopping the run from the Chargers? And we didn't see the Chargers dominate the run game per se, but they were able to move the ball a bit in the air. So for the Dolphins, you know, if you're Adam Gase, what are you doing to open up this game on Sunday? Are we, you're talking offensively there? Offensively, and especially considering taking into account, we're focusing right now on Jay Cutler, taking into account this play action. How are you opening this game up? I think for me, I'm coming right out, I, and I know Sutton touched on it. You can't overdo the play action, but I think you might come out there. You might uh, stack the line, do a little heavy set, and maybe do that play action deep pass to Devontae Park on the outside. I think that right off the get-go might force that Chargers defense to play off. Uh, I think Miami, their receiving core is one of the best in the league, and I, I think that's what they need to do on the outside. I and mean, those corners are good, but I think if you spread them out and you pick and choose where you're going with the football, I think that's – 
where Miami will have success in the past game. Uh, you just can't let Jay Cutler make mistakes, and I know that's easier said than done. A new offensive line, we're all not unsure of how that might play out over on the left side at guard and, and with Bushrod and Jawan James on the other side. And you just got to hope Mike Pouncey stays healthy. But for me, protecting Cutler, giving him that time back there, and ultimately relying on Jay Ajaya, I think that's the way to open this game up. And I think Miami in the pre, preseason had anything to, to show – fans out there it's that this Dolphins team can score and they can score in a hurry and I mean I was there at that Philly game uh it almost was a blowout and I just wish that that game could have went on for four quarters because it looked like those two teams were just going to go back and forth so for as good as the Chargers defense is I mean it isn't uh out of the question to think that Miami couldn't come out there and just pick them apart if, if need be but ultimately JHI those receivers on the outside that's how this game can open up and that's how the Dolphins can win this one so here's the interesting thing with the play action with Jay Cutler. And the data that PFF has only goes back uh, to 2012. He made a lot less play action attempts in 2012 and 2013 compared to more recent years in 2014 and 2016 and 2015. So in 2012, he had 72 play action attempts. In 2013, he had 81 play action attempts. In 2014, he had 115 attempts. In 2015, under Adam Gase, that number went down a bit to 88, but still second most. 2016, we know he didn't play much, so really can't take into account, you know, what goes on there. The real important thing here is 2015 with Adam Gase. But let's look at 2014. 19.1% play action throws equates to 115 attempts. 78 completions, 67.8% completion rate, 763 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, NFL quarterback rating of 92.8. Completion percentage difference that year was only 2.3%. So that is between, um, you know, the play action and no play action. In 2014, I'm sorry, yeah, 2014, that was the numbers there for Jay Cutler. And then we saw the 2015 where he improved from 92.8 percentage completion to 103.3. So we know that Jake, uh, Adam Gates made a difference with Jay Cutler. Those numbers kind of tell you just how much of a difference that was made there. So one player that Jay Cutler is going to look to establish chemistry with early and often, hopefully – because we know Jarvis Landry can move the change, is just that guy, Jarvis Landry. And Jarvis Landry has been in the midst of a lot of controversy lately, the most recent being the mo- uh, domestic violence case that is still being investigated. But here's an interesting quote via uh, Jason Lesner, Lyser from the Palm Beach Post on why Jarvis Landry did not hold out. And here's what Jarvis said. I love the Miami Dolphins. I love this organization. I love the people in it. I wanted to be here, and I wanted to spend as much time as I can around the guys I play with and bleed with and show them that it's bigger than a contract for me. I mean, I love the game. I love what I do, and I'm a firm believer in God and his timing. I believe that it will happen when it's supposed to happen. I can't rush it, and I can't force it. I can't hold out. There's guys who held out and still haven't gotten paid. They wasted all that time. Well, I don't want to say wasted all that time, but they didn't have the opportunity to build that chemistry and that bond with their teammates. That's something personally for me that I wanted to do. That's why I came to OTAs and training camp. House, we're going to get to you in a second about the play of Jarvis Landry and how that might help the Dolphins on Sunday versus the Chargers. But And I want to get your take on Jarvis Landry and the whole situation with his contract and the domestic violence case and what he just said. And you want a guy like that on your team, right? You want someone who wants to be there, who's passionate about the game, who loves the game, who loves the organization. But really, Absolutely. can you can you hold on? Can you pay Jarvis Landry and a Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills and whoever quarterback you're going to have, unless it's a rookie on a rookie deal? Can you put that much money into the wide receiver core? Uh, yeah, I'm glad it's not a decision that I have to make because it's you haven't seen too many models of that organization building throughout the NFL. You haven't seen that kind of disproportionate um, pay scale 
to certain wide receivers uh, that, that, that were assuming that, you know, what Jarvis market value would be next year. And there's all sorts of discrepancies that can happen over the course of the year to affect that market value. But like you're saying, MC Money, it would be a very difficult proposition to keep all three wide receivers. But you have to like his focus, and and it's really going to be it's going to be a win-win situation if Jarvis goes out and plays really well this year. If he goes out and plays really well this year, then good for Jarvis. He's going to have more opportunities if it's not with the Dolphins. But the Dolphins will at least have a hard decision to make. We're not used to being in this situation, but guys, we might be in a situation where we can't afford to sign talented players because we have so many talented players. I mean, we haven't set back to reflect on that very much, but we are in a luxurious position to be in these kind of dilemmas. Organizations don't find this that often to be, have to, make this kind of decisions between very talented players and who to keep and not. And just the fact that we have that decision to make is a great thing to have as a fan. It's not going to be an easy decision at all. And Jarvis Landry gets to prove his case starting on Sunday versus the Los Angeles Chargers. So for you, House, if you're Jarvis Landry, if you're the Miami Dolphins, what are you doing with him? We know he's not a deep threat per se. That's Kenny Stills. That's Devontae Parker now. Jarvis Landry moves the chains. You're coming out, you're Adam Gase. What are you doing with Jarvis Landry in terms of putting him into the game plan here on Sunday? Yeah, for me, and it's always kind of been baffling, but I, I don't understand why the Dolphins don't use him almost like uh, the Packers do with Randall Cobb and as we saw him transition to Ty Montgomery. I don't understand why Miami doesn't line him up in the backfield every now and then, add a new wrinkle to, to the offense that's already potent. I mean, Jarvis Landry's a playmaker. You see what he can do in space. Why not throw him in that backfield next to Jay Ajayi, have him motion out, do some mismatches here and there, give him some handoffs. I, I, I do agree with Son. I, I don't know that this team in the end will be able to pay Jarvis Landry. I know I've kind of – we all have kind of went up and down with that. Uh, we just got to live with the fact that, I mean, you got a guy like Kenny Stills who they just resigned. Devontae Parker's going to need a big payday. you got Jay Ajayi coming up. You still have to figure out what they're going to do with Ryan Tannehill. So, they got a lot of decisions to make, a lot of young playmakers, and I'm not sure if Jarvis Landry's going to ultimately be re-signed. But, I mean, for me, he's a playmaker. He's huge. He's one of the best flyers receivers, if not the best flyers receiver in the NFL. You mentioned he's not a deep threat, but he does have deceptive speed. So, for me, I think you bring him out there. you got Devontae Park on the outside. Kenny Stills out there as well. I mean, you just work that middle of the field like Sutton alluded to earlier, and you get Jarvis Landry the football and let him make plays. For me – it's a no-brainer. Jarvis Landry's a playmaker, and, and I do whatever I can to get the football in his hands. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm looking at it the same way. But with the Miami Dolphins offense, you have a lot of mouth to feed now. You have Julius Thomas. You have Devontae Parker. You have J.H.I. You have Kenny Stills. You have, yes, Jarvis Landry. Add Fasano into the mix. Add maybe Jakeem Grant into the mix. When you look at all that, Right, and so, and I'm going to get your opinion on this because you talked about paying him and maybe not being able to afford it. When you look at all those mouths to feed, and you look at the possible talent of Jakeem Grant, and you look at the talent of Devontae Parker, and if he can play the, up to his full potential, you look at the talent of Kenny Stills, the talent of JHI, perhaps Julius Thomas turns his career around. Do you need Jarvis Landry on the Miami Dolphins? You know, it's it's really an impossible question to answer right now. I think by the time even week 10 comes around, we're get, we might have a completely different perspective on this. You know, would your mind change if Devontae Parker pulls up with a lame hammy halfway through the game and misses four games? Are you going to feel differently about Jarvis Landry then? You know, are are you going to – feel differently if Kenny Stills gets injured or just becomes ineffective or doesn't match up to his touchdown totals last year? Are you feeling a different way about him? So this is going to be an evolving thing. And yes, we have some young players and it's, again, like I said earlier, it's great to have talented players that you even have to be in this position to decide which talented players that you're going to keep and which ones you unfortunately 
have to let through your grasp. Um, but we even have to see how Jay Ajayi does this year. We have to see how Laramie Tunsil plays out this year. You know, what they're going to do with Tannehill. It's, there's so many different factors in there that I don't know that you can say today on September 13th that we know what's going to happen with Jarvis Landry and his contract situation because there's so many ways this can play out. And you had mentioned the, the domestic violence investigation that's still going on. Uh, sorry if this is an inappropriate or disingenuous question, but could this heat on him make his market value different than what it could actually be, if you're following me? It already has. I mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, when they were uh, gauging the trade market for him, teams were staying away from him because of the rumors about the domestic violence case and the status of it. And, yes, whether or not he gets suspended this year or whether or not he, you know, that cloud hangs over his head, absolutely it will affect his market value. Helps, I know you're a big Jarvis Landry fan. But taking off your Homer hat and looking at it from a team perspective in terms of what talent is there for the Dolphins, do you need a player like Jarvis Landry? And do you take into account all the off-field stuff that he brings to the table? Yeah, you mentioned it best, taking off that Homer hat. And I think that's what a lot of us ultimately need to do. But, I mean, you see they had the same weapons last year outside of uh, Julius Thomas, and their key to, to offensively was running the football. So do they need a Jarvis Landry? I mean, he's a great player. He's great for the locker room. But when you got guys like Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, you got Jakeem Grant, who's looking to take off this year, Leontay Carew behind him. I mean, this team's loaded at wide receiver. And for them to come out and, I mean, ultimately, Adam Gates wants to run the ball, and he wants to run the ball effectively. So, for me to say that we need a Jarvis Landry, I mean, he's a great teammate, uh, great player. But I don't know if Miami does need Jarvis Landry. I'm not sure if they need all the receivers that they had because ultimately – their wins and losses are all, will all come down to what Jay Ajayi can do. And I know that that's based off of one great season. I know not everyone was high on him coming out of college, but for me, Jay Ajayi is one of the best backs in the NFL. And for Miami to have any kind of success, they got to continue to hand him the rock. And, I mean, you've got guys who, who might think, oh, if Ajayi goes down, you've got Kenyon Drake who can step in, Damian Williams. Those players are great, but they're not a Jay Ajayi type of running back. And there are very few of them in the NFL. So, ultimately, do they need Jarvis Landry? I don't think they do because they got a guy like Jay Ajayi who they want to feed the football to and open up that play action pass on the outside. So, for me, as long as those guys can stay healthy on the outside, the Parkers, the Stills, the Jakeem Grants and the Carews, I, I don't know if they do need Jarvis Landry in 2017. Interesting. And I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I know you love Jarvis and a lot of fans love Jarvis. And, and really it's going to come down to money and what the Dolphins really, of course, think of him. All right, we do have a caller on the line. Let's bring him in. I think it might be Kristoff, but I'm not totally sure. Welcome to Finside Radio. Who are you and what is your question? Oh, this is Chris. Christopher, Christopher. Oh. a Dolphin fan for life. All right, so Christoph is changing up things this week, and he's calling himself Christopher. So he is living on the edge this week, boys. He's like Christopher now. He's going to be a symbol <laughs> before you know it. <laughs> yes. All right, Christopher, <laughs> what, is your, what is your question, Christopher? All right, well, um, I started off with a question, just a quick point ahead of time. Uh, What's his name mentioned? Uh, Miami wants to run the ball. And as it pertains to keeping Jarvis Landry, one of the things we know Jarvis Landry loves to do is hit and hit hard when we run the football. He's one of our best blockers as a wide receiver. So do we need him? I think so, especially with the line constantly in flux. My question is, is who exactly determined his price point? Because I've always thought that he's always mentioned that it hasn't really been about the money. And the second part of this question is, is and we saw it in New England when they wanted to keep Wes Welker, the one person they did approach in taking a pay cut was Tom Brady. Uh, Tannehill's guaranteed money is very minimal. Um, 
how do we think that's going to equate into what we see with Tannehill's contract and what we see as it pertains to Jarvis Landry's? Well, that's a loaded question, Christopher, and thank you for calling. I, I don't know, because even Ryan Tannehill's contract is up in the air right now in terms of the Dolphins owing him quite a bit of money after this season, and I'm going to look it up in just a second. So it's really hard to say. And I've even heard rumors already that if Jake Cutler does well this year, it's not going to be whether the Dolphins bring Ryan Tannehill back or not. It's not going to be what rookie quarterback are they going to draft to compete with Tannehill or possibly replace him. It's going to be who's the starting quarterback in 2018. Is it Jake Cutler or Ryan Tannehill? And that could be a legitimate question. Now, after this season, in 2018, the Dolphins are scheduled to pay Tannehill $19.8 million. The year after, $21 million. The year after, $19.52 million. The reason why everyone's talking about possibly moving on from Tannehill is not necessarily that number per se, because when you look at quarterbacks around the league, that number is crazy. But here's the reason why. If the Dolphins cut Ryan Tannehill after this season, they will only incur $4.6 million of dead money. They will receive a cap savings of 15.2. They will have dead money in 2019 if they cut him of only 2.3. Cap savings of 18.75. And in 2020, boys and girls, $0 in dead money, 19.52 in cap savings. Now, would the Dolphins ever get Tannehill to 2020 and let him write out that last year of his contract? Probably not, because if he's still on the team in 2020, that means Adam Gase is succeeding, and so is Tannehill and they'll lock him up further. But after this season, that always clear. And the Dolphins did a tremendous job structuring this contract when it was time to do so two years ago. Houts and Sutton. And Christopher, thank you for calling. We're going to hang up now, and we hope to hear from you next week. Enjoy the game on Sunday. When you look at Jay Cutler, when you look at Jay Ajayi, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, when you look at Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and all those guys coming together to surround Jay Cutler, who Jarvis Landry, by the way, called him an absolute stud last week. Can we play that clip for you? When you put all that around and all the talent that Adam Gase has built up on the offensive side of the ball, and by the way, we saw his strategy was clear when he first came in drafting all offensive guys his first year. He wanted his offense to be the dominant side on this team. Houts, when you put all that together, this question is for you, buddy. Can the Dolphins win with the rookie quarterback? Let's say they draft one next year. Let's say Jay Cutler does crap. They get to like 6-10, and ten, they have a top 10 pick, and the quarterback is there for reaching because there are right now probably four to five quarterbacks who can go in the first round as of today, right? Do the Dolphins strike there for a quarterback in the top 10 if they are there? Oh, man. I, I, have, I, I don't know that I've been diagnosed with ADD, but it's definitely there, and I've had trouble following you and Christopher now. It's, it's been trouble going back and forth. Uh, my, uh, my, I got scrambled eggs for a brain right now. But for me, I think if the team – I've been thinking for a while now that Miami should have drafted some kind of rookie quarterback to come in and not necessarily compete with Ryan Tannehill, but at least be there so that Adam Gase could develop him. And it, are you asking me now if, if Miami finishes with a, a top 10 or 20 pick, whether or not they would go quarterback? I absolutely believe they would. I think that's what's best for the team. Uh, whether or not Jay Cutler plays unbelievable, which I, I I was thinking about it during the brief conversation you just had. I think this might be Jay Cutler's best season that he has as a professional, assuming he stays healthy. This is easily the, the most loaded team talent-wise that he's had offensively. I, I think Jay Cutler is going to be a stud this year. I, I think Miami will have a hell of a year. But for me, I mean, you look at Ryan Tannehill's contract. You mentioned it earlier with Landry and a new deal. Devontae Parker's coming up. Jay Ajayi they're just not able to continue to pay these players what they are, such as Ryan Tannehill. So he's going to need to restructure after this year, and whether or not he's still with Miami in 2017, that's a huge question there. And and whether or not him or Jay Cutler is the starting quarterback in 2017, I absolutely believe the Dolphins in a draft class such as next year's that's loaded with talent, I think they need to be going out there and Adam Gase needs to find himself a quarterback. Because whether or not Tannehill comes back and plays another three or four years, at the the pace he was last season before the injury, or whether Jay Cutler falls out this year and, and has a hell of a season and comes back next year. 
ultimately they're going to need a rookie quarterback uh, or someone that they can develop to, to put around those weapons they have on the outside. Because we saw it before, wide receiver – our wide receiving core a couple of years ago was just awful. I mean, we had Mike Wallace, who I was high on. We had Gibson. We had Devon Best. We had, we had some of these guys who, who just aren't even in the NFL anymore because they're that bad. And, and now you see what the Dolphins did. They drafted well. They got one of the best receiving units in the league. I mean, you can't just waste that talent on the outside or even in the backfield with J.H.I., I mean, they got the talent there. So, for me, uh, whether or not Jay Culler is the answer, whether or not Ryan Tannehill is the answer, I think they need to draft a quarterback next year. And if one of those top guys are there early in the first round, I think you pull the trigger. All right. So, for you, how draft a quarterback and get rid of Jarvis Landry. Is that correct? Yes. If those are the two options, whether or not it's Jarvis Landry or rookie quarterback, I'm sorry, guys. I, I know it's not going to be a popular decision, but I think you have enough weapons uh, a wide receiver that you would have to pass on that to, to sign a rookie quarterback. Can I tweak that out? Say that again? Can I tweak that and get your mentions all riled up? Yeah, go for it. All right. So, so, <laughs> all right. So, and let's go to the live thread now and see if we have any questions coming in for us. What do we have on the live thread? Okay, just let me touch on what we've been talking about real quick, the Jay Cutler, Ryan Tannehill thing. You also have to look at, and I've mentioned this before on previous podcasts, that fans kind of overreact to salary cap, salary cap situations. And I think there's going to be other ways to save money if there's players that we need to resign or players we need to just sign, period. You know, Byron Maxwell immediately comes to mind. It's like 10 mil off the books next year. So there's going to be ways to move money around. Um, so we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. But really, the, the backup quarterback situation in the NFL, I mean, this is a quarterback-starved league. And there's just not that many good backup quarterbacks around. So I think the Dolphins will be in a very unique situation if they're still enamored with Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler has a good year this year. That would be a very interesting proposition to see how that would all play out just because – the market is just so distorted in quarterback talent. If you have it, it's worth its weight in gold. But All let right. me get uh, to a question. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, let me get to a question on the live thread. So we got one from Joe, our buddy Daytona Doll fan. We've mentioned this a little bit in the show, but with the extra week to prepare and for some to heal more, who has the biggest advantage, the Dolphins who will be coming in cold or the Chargers who have a game under their belt? Um, I'll just throw out real quick that Randy said that it was just going to come down to execution. You know, it's it, it favors each team. You know, it, it favors the Dolphins that they have more tape. It favors the Chargers that they've played a game already. Um, so it's going to come down to execution like it usually does. But let me throw the rest of that question to you guys. How what do you think? Uh. I was looking at other questions, so I really wasn't sure what Sutton said. I apologize, Sutton. That's all right. Sutton, we're going to throw it back to you. We're going to let you answer this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to favor the Chargers, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, just from a situational standpoint, I think it's going to favor them that they've played in a game already. They did have a heartbreaking loss to a divisional opponent last week, so they will come into this game pissed off and they're going to be playing at home. Granted, they're not going to have much of a fan base there. We might actually – this might be a sort of MetLife takeover, like we're going to experience the following weekend. Um, But we'll touch more on that next week's show. Um, But I I think from a situational standpoint, it favors the Chargers just because for the the things that I just mentioned – but from a talent standpoint, I do think we are a more talented team. And I think talent usually weighs out. And I think uh, the Dolphins end up pulling this one out. It's going to be a close one, though. All right, House, what else you got for us there? Any live threat, if anything? All right, Alpha asked, how many sacks do you guys predict for each quarterback? I'm going to send that one to you, Kanata, <laughs> because you're the only person that says quarterback. And There's I am the quarterback guru. I am the quarterback guru. So we saw the offensive line for the Chargers give absolutely no time for Phillip Rivers to really get things going. 
Charles Harris, he needs to turn it up a bit. You got Cameron Wake running from the outside. You got Nadamik and Sue. You got William Hayes. You can still get to the passer, Andre Branch there. You got up in the middle, Kiko Alonso with Lauren Simmons and uh, Ray Mauluga, if he's able to play. And others mixed in there, helping out. So I think I think it's possible three to five sacks for the Dolphins to get to Rivers. And we have no idea how the Dolphins offensive line is going to hold up because we have nothing on tape for them in the regular season. But I do think Jake Culley gets sacked, I think, three times at least. That is my expert prediction for Sunday. Anything else in the live thread? It is worth noting, Mike Pouncey was a full participant in practice today. Looks like a full go. Yes, he was. Uh, this week, so uh, we'll, we'll see how long the health uh, stands up there. How is Miami's got... defense going to stop the playmakers of the Los Angeles Chargers? He, I, th- yeah, I think that's... he said Rivers, Rivers and Gordon and and Keenan Allen. Um, oh, he said Gates. Yeah, and I, I, my response to that was just going to be the same way they did last year. I mean, the Dolphins beat them last year. Those, those guys were there then, and I, if, if anything, Miami's defense you would you would hope is improved. So I, I don't think that those guys are going to be any bigger of a test than they were last season. So. I mean, Melvin Gordon's one of the best in the game. Antonio Gates, he's likely a Hall of Famer. Same with Rivers. But, I mean, the Dolphins' defense, we all need to hope that they're improved because if they're not, this this could be a long year. All right, anything else in the live thread, boys? That's it. Nope. All right, let's see if we have anything on Twitter. And we missed our friends last week as they were getting ready for the hurricane. And it looks like we are missing our friends this week as well. All right, uh, we do. We did get a direct message from uh, at Earthwake91. His uh, ID name is Syrup, so I guess he likes syrup. Um, he has three followers. So he has three followers, so that's good. And uh, two of them are fake accounts. Uh, but uh, Syrup, thank you for uh, DMing us. Uh, do we still? <laughs> he, he asks. <laughs> he asks. Do we still get a seventh round pick from Jacksonville for Albert since they cut him? No, we do not get a seventh round pick. And he says, and in house, he listens to our show every week. He loves it, and he wants us to keep up the great work. Wonder if it's that guy from Texas who called in. <laughs> yeah, did he really say that, or did you just make that up? No, he really said that. Oh, uh, he really said that. Wow, that's very right. nice of him. How how are your mentions right now on Twitter? Well, pe- people are bringing up a, uh, a gif I made that said, when Twitter tells the Dolphins <laughs> should let Jarvis Landry walk. And I- I'm just trying to figure out. I, I never said I- that the Dolphins should let him walk. I just said that I'm not entirely certain that he would make or break the 2017 season, and I do think that they could have success without him. But, yeah, so far, uh, it's going to be a long night. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I-, I-, I, did- I did try to word that very carefully so as not put words into the mouth. And I think I did word it the right, right way. Am I correct? Yeah, you did, a, you did a hell of a job, and I just can't wait because this is definitely going to carry on into the next few days. So thank you. You're welcome. Hey, anything <laughs> to uh, make your Twitter life more interesting. All right. So we talked about Jay Cutler. We talked about JHI a bit. We talked about Jarvis Landry. And really, we focused on that. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball as we wrap up the show. Defensive line, we just kind of talked about with the sacks there. The linebacker core scares me. The cornerback, we have not heard who's starting, whether it's Alter on Werner or Byron Maxwell. My money is on Werner, by the way. And then on the opposite side, you got Xavier Howard. I'm watching the game on Monday night, and I'm saying, wow, these guys are kind of explosive. They're fast. Keenan Allen is fast. Tyrell Williams is fast. Melvin Gordon is fast. Travis Benjamin can take the lid off the defense, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but he could if you're not careful with him. Yep. You guys think that we're going to have problems with the Chargers offense on Sunday? Sutton, you go first. Um, yes, I do. Uh, I won't lie to you. I, I, don't, I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to put up a ton of points, but I think they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit better than they did last week. And, A, we've already mentioned this. They've played in a game. is huge. To be in regular season format, to be in that flow, you need to have live reps in game. That's the only way to replicate how that works. 
So the fact that they've played in a game and they have that much more experience working together in a game situation, that, that favors the Chargers. Um, and Tyrell Williams made a couple plays against us last year. Now, we ended up being the, the, the victors there, and we made enough plays when it happened. It showed how resilient this team is. And we've touched on this in previous shows, the Hurricane Irma, this storyline boiling with this team right now. I think from a motivational standpoint, we are going to be ready to play this game. And I think we're going to play this game with purpose. And I don't think there's any replacement for that in the NFL than playing with that type of purpose. And I really look for this defense to be opportunistic. Maybe, again, like I said, maybe not the greatest yardage-wise, uh, but be able to shut it down when we need to, when the, when the Chargers get into the red zone. And to generate a couple turnovers and give our, uh, give our offense good field position. If we can do a couple of those things, we're going to be in a good spot on Sunday. How, how about you? Yeah. You know, something said purpose and all I kept hearing was per porpoise. Is that, is that it? Is that, is that what a dolphin is? It's, well, our purpose, hearing that. it's our purpose in life to beat the chargers on Sunday. Yeah, and I also want to say thanks to you, Kanata. I've lost at least one, if not two, followers. So thank you for that. I, I know I <laughs> agreed to that consensually, but uh, this it's going to be a long night, and I just want you to know that this sucks. Uh, Twitter's very touchy about Jarvis Landry's slander. I'm not sure I really slandered Jarvis Landry, but it's coming off that way. Uh, whether or not Miami can stop that, yeah, whether or not Miami can stop that offense. I mean, it's all going to come down to that pass rush. You got Cameron Wake, one of the best in the game. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he's going to get his yards either way. I, I'm a big fantasy guy. I think Melvin Gordon's going to have a big game. Keenan Allen, I'm not sure he's ever going to get back to what he was, but I mean, it's going to come down to that secondary. Xavier Howard, Byron Maxwell, Alteron Werner. I mean, those are the guys that this game's going to come down to. And, and whether or not Miami can pull it off or stop them offensively, uh, it, it's it's a tough one because Philip Rivers, yeah, I know he's always seems to be behind, always seems to be one or two yards short of a win, but uh, he, this, I believe this might be their first home opener in Los Angeles. Is that correct? Uh, it, it, it is for the Chargers, like 27,000 yes. people strong on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's that's something that could uh, play a huge role. But for me, I, I think the Dolphins, uh, they end up ultimately winning this game, and that offense, it's going to be hard to stop, but they're going to get their due, and, Hopefully the Dolphins can pull it out in the end. All right. Let's bring in this last caller on before we wrap up the show. Area code 209. Who are you? What is your name? And what is your question? Oh, my name's Josh calling from uh, the Bay Area in California here. How um, are you, Josh? I was wondering if you uh, had Great who name. was your biggest key player on defense? And then how many yards do you think a Jai can get realistically? All right, I'm going to put you on hold, Josh, while we answer the question. I'll take this one, guys. I think Ajayi can get – oh, geez. Melvin Ingram is 300. Good. You think 300, Josh? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> and I, I, At least. When we saw Josh, and I'm talking to Josh on the phone, not Josh Houts, because uh, I don't like you, Josh Houts. I like Josh on the phone better just because he sounds We're nicer. Well and, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> He's very well-mannered. Josh on the phone – Josh, Josh, Josh on the phone. His voice is more smooth than yours. Um, it was. I'm just trying to think out loud here. We saw in Week One a lot of rusty offenses, and that's to be expected, right? First time getting into a game. I kind of feel the same way about the Dolphins. It's their first game, guys. They haven't practiced in a long time. Uh, they're just getting together. I think they're going to have a little trouble coming out of the gate. To be realistic. I hate to say it, but I think I think Ajayi can get 60 to 70 yards. He might flirt with 100 if he can break a few tackles here and there. Now, for the Dolphins, the key defensive player, we know Phillip Rivers is a magician. So even if we say Cam Wake or anyone else on that defensive line getting pressure on Rivers, we know that he can make things out of nothing. So for me, I'm going to give you a key position group. How about that? And that's the cornerbacks, which I was just talking about a short while ago. Can the Dolphins – cornerbacks keep the receivers in check if they could the Dolphins would have no problem 
beating the Chargers. They let these guys run three. It's going to be a long, long day in Los Angeles. And I may have said San Diego there a few times. So, Josh, on the phone, thank you for calling. And we hope to hear from you again next week on Finsider Radio. All right, boys. Do you or do you not to, do you not want to, give your prediction for Sunday? Yes. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell, hell yes. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll let Hout go first. He's going to be a baby <laughs> daddy here soon. He sounded yeah. really hesitant about that. Being a baby dad definitely means I should go first. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cody Parkey uh, uh, last minute uh, last second field goal time expires and Miami wins 27-24. That's my prediction. Go Dolphins. Sutton. I'm gonna go with an unorthodox score just because I'm a Dolphins fan and I assume obscure things will happen. I'm gonna guess a 20 to 19 Dolphins victory. We score 20. Offense is a little bit slow. The Chargers can move the ball, but they have to settle for field goals, and they end up with 19, 20, 19 Dolphins. All right. And for me, I'm going to predict Dolphins win, not just because I'm a homer, because I am, and I'll, I might pick the Dolphins to go 17-0 and this year or 16-0. and um, But I do think they can beat the Chargers, and I do think they're going to come out and uh, beat the Chargers. I'm going to go – Forget all of you with this rust crap. And I know I just said it too. <laughs> but no, I'm going to go with the rust crap. I'm going to say 21 21 17 Miami Dolphins are the winners. And we will see on Sunday at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time what the Dolphins do, in fact, have in store for the Los Angeles Chargers. Until then, this is MC Money. I was joined tonight by House, the Creeper, and Sutton, the Soccer Dad. Enjoy Sunday. Why? Why the creep? Enjoy <laughs> Miami Dolphins football. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Karis Fisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, 
business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.